With us today is Steve Cates, otherwise known as Dr. Sky, and he's with us every Sunday morning to tell us when we look up in the sky, what can we dream about, what what are we going to see, and uh, Steve Cates, uh, uh, welcome to, uh, to Sunday morning, I'm drinking my cup of coffee, give, give, us, give us what's going on. Well, good morning, John, and good morning to all your listeners here on the Cats Roundtable. You know, one of the new branches of the United States military, many people may know, is the U.S. Space Force. It was called the U.S., that is, the Air Force Space Command before it became, naturally today, what we call officially the U.S. Space Force. But this goes back to on December 20th of 2019, when 16,000 military and civilians were moved over to this incredible organization. But, John, just a little bit of history about this and some things people may not know. Here's the latest on the Space Force. They actually have a theme song, as you would imagine, just like the other branches. We exclusively played it on WABC about uh, two weeks ago when we had uh, uh, General Teichert on. Absolutely. And and it's uh, beautiful. Tell tell our audience what it sounds like, and and maybe uh, we'll replay it again uh, later on. Absolutely. And their motto is simply in Latin, Semper Supra, which means always above. And here are the words, John, of that actual song dedicated to the Space Force. And here we go when I quote, we're the mighty watchful eye, guardians beyond the blue, the invisible frontline warfighters, brave and true. Then we move on boldly, reaching into space. There's no limit to our sky, standing guard both night and day, we're the Space Force from on high. That's an interesting, amazing organization, and you're going to hear so much about it. But, John, in the practical sense, we're finding out that the U.S. Space Force is actually going to soon launch a series of Constellation satellites out to that geosynchronous place, meaning 22,000 miles above the Earth. The project is called Silent Barker. What is it? It's a series of Constellation of satellites, as I said, to actually track and monitor Chinese and Russian satellites, which could damage or disable orbiting satellites. We know from the National Reconnaissance Office that China has some satellites, one called an SJ-21, which is a counter satellite, which could pull other satellites out of orbit, and something else called a Sijian-17 that has a robotic arm that maybe could do some nefarious things, not just blaming them, but... We saw that in the last... A Chinese movie, didn't we? Absolutely. And this is interesting. Now the Space Force, interesting project, Silent Barker. In other words, like a dog that goes silent, but then the power of that dog, of course, is manifested right inside the dog. But in this case, satellites, John, they're out there to keep a watchful eye just in case anything might not go right as far as the assets, because you and I both know We have so many billions of dollars of important reconnaissance satellites, other communication satellites. So it's good to hear that the U.S. Absolutely. And when I was on with the general, uh, 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 Teichert, uh, John Teichert, I believe uh, his name was, uh, he said that the purpose of Space Force, because not everybody knows, is to monitor what's going on in outer space, uh, to make sure that you know our whole system is is GPS. That the it. Chinese or Russians or whoever our enemy is at the time doesn't knock out our satellites and knock out our GPS systems. 
Well, you're so right. And one of the main themes here, obviously, their mission is to protect U.S. and allied interests in space. And you say it so well, and I'm sure the general says it better, knowing so much more than we both know. But, John, we move on always to something called the mystery of the week. And I've been talking with you and the listeners about detection of water in the solar system, more prominent than we probably thought. But how about this? In one of Saturn's satellites, a satellite called Hyperion, it's the largest non-round satellite. In other words, it's shaped like a potato, and it has all these cracks on it. Well, what's so important about this 163-mile by 137-mile moon? Well, it actually sends out static electric charges. And we know back about 2005, the Cassini spacecraft that was doing so much science around Saturn was actually hit by a 200-volt shock, John, from 1,200 miles away. So now we have satellites not only have water potentially or water oceans, but here's this strange potato-shaped object. It's the obviously the most non-round object of satellites in the solar system. Go figure. We don't know why this particular satellite gives off electrical charges. Many more things that we'll have to discover on future space missions. Isn't that incredible just to hear that? That is incredible. Uh, in our discussion last week about water being found almost every place uh, is incredible. Uh, there's so many things that we have to learn, uh, and I hope we learn it uh, while we're still here. And the other discussion we had, and I really, really believe in it, that yes. uh, people got a little bit of what the, what the 23rd and 24th century may be like uh, from uh, Star Trek. And I mean, it's a little bit crazy, but it, yes. it, might be, um, it might be some truth in that. Absolutely, John. And the biggest thing we talk about in quantum physics right now is the concept of quantum entanglement. Sounds hard enough to pronounce, but it allegedly talks about, and somewhat has been proven by scientists and physicists, that they say nothing can go faster than the speed of light. But in this particular case, there is this concept called quantum entanglement, where if you had, let's say, a light switch on one side of the galaxy, 150,000 to 200,000 light years across, that not necessarily would it have to take that long at the speed of light to travel. But, John, in the simplest way I can explain it and open our minds this morning, as we always do, is that that would be instantaneous. So you're so right. The things that Gene Roddenberry talked about so long ago and those great writers that put this great science fiction theme program onto television, you're right. But in wrapping it up, we talk about the live sky. What can people actually see? John, it's getting good. That beautiful strawberry moon that we had last Sunday, it now fades. We find out that we get a last quarter moon on the 10th. That happened, of course. But if you look into the northwest, Venus now glides through. This is a binocular event through the beautiful star cluster called the Beehive Star Cluster. So you'll see this bright Venus in a binocular, and you'll see the assemblage of stars. Venus is what? Less than about 60 million miles away. The star cluster, John, is about 500 light years away. And as we move toward that beautiful time of the year, the June solstice, the summer solstice on the 21st, we'll have so much more to say every Sunday here on the Cats Roundtable. And we always recommend what? Always remember to keep your eyes to the skies. Check us out. Great content, as people tell us, here at WABCRadio.com with the Dr. Sky Experience. Always a privilege and honor, John. Thank you so much, Steve Cates, and thank you for enhancing our minds on, on the Sunday morning because we have time to, to look up in the sky on Sunday night or Saturday night, and, uh, and thank you so much. My pleasure, John. Thank you for having me.